stumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping And folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five Welcome all of our campuses to week one of our brand new series called Crazy Finding Calm in the Chaos. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? So good to have Baton Rouge, South Shore, Gulf Coast. I love every week to greet the men and women in the St. Tammany Parish Jail and the Orleans Justice Center as well. We are beginning a five-week series, and I try to do a series that is similar themed in the month of August because how many of you know when you come back from vacation, you need a vacation. You know what I'm talking about. The fact is, is that school is starting for a lot of uh, you guys that have children, uh, school-age children, but the reality is, is that our roads are getting ready to get more busy. Uh, things are getting ready to get more hectic, and the reality is, is that it's often hard for us to find calm in the chaos. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because of work. Work has been in turmoil with you lately. You've been dealing with situations at work or You've been dealing with family situations. You've been dealing with financial situations. And sometimes it just feels like, man, our world is crazy. Here's the question. Can we find calm? Everyone say calm. There's something about that word. Can we find calm in the chaos? Interesting, this week I, I, I try to do my message. I'll do it throughout the week, but on Thursdays is the day that I'll sit down and we'll write that message out. And so... I thought, you know what, I'm not going to come into the office on Thursday. I'm going to stay at my house because I just want to make sure that there's just no interruptions. And <clears throat> I'd forgotten uh, that we were uh, destroying some stairs in our backyard and creating a new, new little step down. And uh, it was interesting. I, I got nervous when I saw a truck back up and a jackhammer came out. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. And I, everything was prepared, and we were so excited. I was just getting ready to write. And I'm just, after about 30 minutes of that jackhammer, <clears throat> how many you know I was thinking some crazy thoughts? Are y'all with me or not? I finally had to get up, and I had to come back to the office. Let me just say this. A geographical change doesn't necessarily quiet the crazy on the inside. <clears throat> Geography changes help, but they don't solve. Some of you guys, maybe it's not been a jackhammer, but it's been something else in your life lately. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're stressed out, you're freaked out, you're burned out, you're blacked out, you're fried out. Why? Because you're not managing all the stress in life. Stress is the reality in which we live. There's a stressful situation that we every day wake up into and walk into it. It's called life. We can't get out of this. We're in this thing. Had a guy tell me one time, Pastor, you know, I love your end times teaching. I said, why is that? He goes, man, I'm praying for the rapture. I said, why is that? He goes, because I'm stressed. How many of you know, you can't, listen, I mean, I believe in the return of Christ, okay? I just want to, but, but, but praying every day, come quickly, Lord Jesus, to deal with your stress. Maybe we get another biblical solution to deal with it. Are y'all with me? The fact is, is that we can't get out of this thing. 
We can't just escape and push your butt and say, you know what? I, I want to just escape from my kids. I want to escape from my responsibilities. I want to escape from work. I want to escape. Why? Because we're in this thing. The issue is, can we find calm in the chaos? Can we find calm? Can we come to a place of rest even when our world is restless? I just want to say this. If you're pretty stressed out in your life, you're not, listen, you're not alone. Matter of fact, you're not crazy. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not crazy. Come on, look at your neighbor right now and say, look at your second choice and say, you're really not crazy. Come on now. You're really not crazy. Every single one of us deal with stress. I'm going to ask you to take your notes out. I want to talk a little bit about how to find calm in the crazy. And I want to deal with the reality of stress. Stress, what is stress? Here's a definition that I wrote down. Stress is the pressures of life and how one perceives, believes, reacts, and copes with these pressures. Stress, we can't escape it. We live in a world where life is stressful. The issue is not stress. The issue is how are we handling stress? Are we managing stress? Now, I want to say this. We often cope with it when the pain, and here's what happens. When the threshold and pain of stress begins to rise, we have a choice. We can try to manage it biblically and appropriately, or we can try to medicate our stress. We can try to medicate through illicit sexual encounters, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, spending abuse. In other words, we try to develop strategies to medicate the pain in our lives because of the stress that's increased in our lives. How many know those are not the best solution? That there's a different way. That we can manage stress. Now, not all stress is bad. Some stress is good. Why? Stress that helps us to develop physiologically in the gym. Stress that helps us to adrenalize to a healthy point to get us to accomplish the project, to get us to accomplish the term paper, to turn in the exam. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's chronic long-term stress that's our problem that begins to eat away at our mind and our emotions and our bodies. How do we respond to that? What causes stress? And I want to say this. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Many of you know my story. 2010, I, I had a burnout situation, a brownout situation where I was not managing stress well. I couldn't check out a life. I couldn't quit my responsibilities as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor. But I needed to learn how to do this thing differently. I needed to learn how to manage life differently. I'm going to talk to you about that today. What causes stress? Let me just give you a couple of things. Work. Related stress is the number one cause of stress. Man, let's just quit our jobs. No, we can't do that. We've got to learn how to deal with this thing, whether it's a fear of advancement or the fear of not being advanced, having bosses that maybe you don't connect with, incessant long hours, other life stressors, the death of a loved one. Had a conversation with somebody recently. I said, Pastor, I never realized when my mom passed away how much it was going to impact my family, my siblings, I mean, it's just the stress attached to that, not just the funeral itself, but just the, the reality of the impact. Divorce is a big stressor, like massive, a, a, a tearing away and how to grapple with all that. Increased financial implications, obligations, getting married, not just dealing with the wedding and not just dealing with the honeymoon, but, but where are we going to go for Christmas? We're going to go to my mom's house. What about this house? And what, all these different things that can cause stress. The effects of stress are big. I don't believe that we realize the effects mentally emotionally and physically. The effects of stress are profound. That's why we gotta learn how to, listen, find calm in the chaos. That's why we gotta learn how to, listen, not escape from our responsibilities, but learning how to manage our stress amidst our responsibilities. 
2001, we were, uh, the Church of the King was growing. It was two years old. And we had bought at the Little Creek campus with our original building, which we now call the Annex. And um, I was preaching and just doing everything we can and just, just trying to get everything rolling. The church was growing. And we bought this building, uh, which was an adventure skate. It was a skating rink. And so we had four months to renovate that building, and uh, I ended up being the contractor. How many know Pastor Steve has different gifts? <laughs> and so I ended up doing all these, these contract. It was, just it was just crazy and trying to get in, and we're trying to save money. We're doing everything we can. And the opening service of our building, this, this we call the annex of the Little Creek Camp, the opening service during worship, I literally thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was having a heart attack. I'm like, God, I'm 32 years old. This is, this is how it happens. I, I'm having a heart attack. And, and, and I, just, I couldn't believe it. So I just, I just kind of pushed through, which is not smart, but I just kind of pushed through. And what I found out was because of the incessant chronic stress, it's not all stress is bad. A certain amount is healthy. It causes you to grow. But chronic stress, persistent, with an inability of us learning how to manage it, and it caused such a, a reaction of acid reflex. If you have acid reflex in your system, you literally can feel like you're having a heart attack. Thank God we had a great doctor in our church, Dr. Greg Mule, and dealt with me and helped all that stuff, and I had to quiet that down. But that was a result of stress. How many primary care visits are related to stress and our inability, listen, mentally, emotionally, and physically just to navigate life? There's a better way. We can find calm in the chaos. We can't press a button and check out. Thank God if the rapture comes, but if it doesn't, listen, we got to wake up tomorrow morning. We've got responsibilities. And we have, we, we, whether you have children in the home or not, whether you have, listen, you, you, you and I can't check out. We got to learn how to figure out how to do this thing differently. We got to learn how to navigate excessive long term stress. There's hope, there's a way through the crazy, there's calm in the chaos. You ever felt like the weight of the world is on your shoulders? Let me just ask for a show of hands. I'll just ask one question. How many of y'all have ever felt like the weight of the world is on your shoulders? Anybody? I mean, you just feel it's like, man, any, it's like any moment, any moment I'm going to break. Well, the truth is the weight of the world is not on your shoulders, but the weight of the world was on someone's shoulders at one time. Matter of fact, this individual I'm going to talk about gives us a clue and gives us keys of how to manage stress. His name is Jesus. Watch this scripture right here. There's only one person that's actually had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And he's the one that models how to deal with stress. If there's anybody that understood stress, let me say something theologically. Jesus was fully divine, but he was also fully human. It's called the hypostatic union, 100% God, but 100% man. So he grappled with the reality in his humanity of stress. How would you like to be Jesus, right? Everybody found out. If this guy prays for you, you get well. I mean, every sick person in town, man, you go into the Taco Bell, you go to the bathroom, people follow you. Come on, you know that's weird. Why? Because pray for me. Pray. Here's a guy, he goes to funerals, people get up from the dead. I mean, how I many you know what I'm talking about? Jesus was in high demand. The weight of the world was on his shoulders. And he had to figure out, listen, he had to, he had to, he had to implement how to not be stressed out. Talk about the weight of the world. Look at this. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. Remember this. That was not just carried by the divine. But that was carried by a man. A human being. 
Wow. The weight of the world on his shoulders. How did Jesus navigate that stress? How did Jesus deal with and grapple with the reality of that pain, of that stress, of that heartache? How did he deal with it? How he dealt with it largely will determine whether or not we understand, listen, how we can deal with it. Because he is the model. You ever heard WWJD? What did Jesus do? Let me tell you something. If there's ever a message, that, that little wrist bra bracelet that everybody wore, to, if there's ever a message that was apropos for the WWJD bracelet, it's this message. Because he was not only God, but he was man. And the stress that increased in his life, the levels of stress, he was able to manage it. Number one, let me give you five things, five secrets of stress management. Five secrets of stress management straight out of the Gospels. We're going to look at Jesus' life. He's the one who knows how to do it. Maybe today you're sitting here to say, man, Pastor, I am so glad I came to this message. I am so glad because I am stressed out. Again, I try to be appropriately transparent every week. I try to share the different things that I've walked through and how God's brought me through. But I, I've been there. I can quickly go there. Thank God I'm learning to do some things differently and Jesus is an example for us. Five secrets to stress management. Five ways that Jesus dealt with stress, chronic stress, persistent stress that affects the mind, the emotions, and the body. How did Jesus deal with stress? Five ways. Number one, identification. Jesus knew who he was and what he was living for. Number two, I'm going to talk to you about concentration. Jesus knew what mattered most and understood his calling. Number three, I want to talk to you about meditation. Jesus listened to God the Father each morning. Number four, I want to talk about collaboration. Jesus did life with a small group. Jesus was in a small group. And number five, recreation. Jesus took time to recharge. If you have your notes at our campuses, I'm going to ask you to take them out. By the way, for all of our guests, I do notes each week. Uh, they're in your bulletin. They're for you. And just if you'd like to follow along, I want to talk to you about five secrets, listen, to stress management. I had a preacher one time say this. He said, I'm going to teach you for seven weeks how to live a stress-free life. I thought to myself, that's not possible. We can't live stress-free, but we can live, listen, we can live with less stress. We can live with managed stress. Jesus gives us a secret. I want to talk to you about five things from his life. Number one. The first thing that I see here is identification. What does it mean that Jesus lived out the principle of identification? Jesus knew who he was and whose he was and who he was trying to please. Let me say it again. Jesus knew who he was and whose he was and who he was trying to please. If you don't know who you are, you'll live for the opinions of everyone else. If you don't know who you are, Jesus knew who he was. He was the son of God. He knew whose he was. He belonged to the Father. And he listened. And he knew why he was on the planet. I want you to think about this for a moment. I wrote this down. If you don't know who you are, you'll find all sorts of people who are more than happy to tell you who you are. And they'll place their expectations on you. In other words, they'll put their expectations, they'll give you their demands, their quotas. Again, we have professional responsibilities. Don't let me assume that we don't. But let me just tell you, the core of our being is we've got to know who we are and whose we are and why we're here. Jesus understood that principle. 
Every time I get stressed out in my life, every time I begin to freak out, every time I begin to burn out, every time I begin to fry out, invariably it goes back to I've lost sight of who I am, a child of God. Whose I am, I belong to God. And I start allowing people and their opinions of me to define who I am rather than God. See, God knows who you are, and God created you with a unique gift set, and God has anointed you, and God has called you, and Christ out on the cross to save you. And the reality is the quickest way to get burned out is to live for the opinions of everybody else. Again, we need social diplomacy. We need to know how to interpersonally get along with people and how to connect with people. But we can't live for the opinions of people. In other words, we've got to live out of the core of who God has created us to be. Jesus said this. It said this. John chapter 5. Listen to this scripture. Very important. I'm talking about the principle of identification. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. Well, who's he hearing from? The Father. He knew who he was and whose he was. I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Do you wake up each day saying, Father, I want to do your will? See, if you wake up each day with a conscious awareness that you are out, listen, here it is, to live for the audience of one. That your approval comes from God. Again, we are looking and longing for that day when we can hear from God the Father. Well done. Everyone say, well done. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. See, we don't have to wait for that in eternity when we stand before the Lord, but we can live for that each day. I wake up each day. Again, if you are stressed out, I'm giving you a checkpoint, all right? If you're stressed out, you may need to ask yourself this question. Am I putting more energy into what people say about me versus what God says about me? You, you know how it is. You live for the opinions of group A, and just when you seem that you can get group A satisfied, group B gets mad at you. And then just when you get group B satisfied, group A gets mad at you. Man, I'm telling you, as a young pastor, man, it is tormenting to try to make sure everybody, again, you want to have a, 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 a nice personality, an amiable personality, and you want to connect with people, but you can't live for the opinions of people. You, you can't, you've got to live for the And the end of the day, when you put your head on that pillow at night, have you pleased God? Here's the question. Have you done the will of God for your life that day? Number one, the principle of identification. Number two, the second principle that I see that Jesus lived out on a daily basis is the principle of concentration. Concentration. I wrote this down. Jesus knew what mattered most and understood his calling. He, he, he knew what mattered most. In other words, he was able to prioritize where he put his greatest level of energy because he knew what mattered most and he understood his calling. He didn't wake up confused every day. Jesus' second secret to a less stressed life is the principle of concentration. You must know, I wrote this, what matters most. Jesus was a master of concentration. He focused like a laser on what the Father wanted him to do. When light is diffused, it has no power at all. I mean, it has a little bit of power, right? The sun over your yard has a level of power, right? But if you put a magnifying glass, watch this, and all of a sudden you're capturing the light from the sun, now all of a sudden it's able to start a fire. 
If you, if you tighten it even more, you can have a laser and you can actually cut steel. How many of you know the power of focus and concentration gets the real results? The problem is, is are we living out of somebody else's script they've given us or are we living out God's script? Number one, the prince of identification is we know who we are and whose we are. Number two, we've got to know our calling and assignment. See, when you have, your, when you have God's script in your hand, when you're living for God's will for your life, what has God said about your life? What does God think about your life? I had a conversation with a guy. I was um, 31, 32. The church was a year or two years uh, in existence. It was one of the saddest conversations I ever had in my, my life. I was sitting at breakfast with this guy. And he began to cry. And he said, Pastor, he's about 50 years old. At that time, I thought he was old. How many you know he's a young man today? Do y'all remember like when somebody was 40, it was like so old. Do y'all remember that? It's like, that's like an old dude. Be careful. Anyway, <clears throat> I'll never forget having that conversation with that particular individual. And there with, with tears welling up in his eyes, here's what he said. He said, my whole entire life, I've lived for what my dad wanted me to be and do. But I never really felt like I did what I was called to do. See, stress comes into our lives when we are living out of somebody else's script for our life. See, God has a script for you. The Bible says God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And when you're living out of God's purpose, listen, it doesn't mean it's pain-free, but there's a certain level of energy and joy attached to it. But when you're living out of somebody else's script, it's not to suggest that we don't account to ourselves to people, that we don't report to other people, but you live for God's opinion and ultimately, listen, you live for the alignment of what God has called you to be and do. It's what is God's purpose for your life and it's aligned with your gifts, talents, and abilities. Are you living in God's script or are you living in somebody else's script? When you live with somebody else's script in mind, you're always looking over your shoulder this way and that way. But when you live for God's, Luke chapter 9, verse 51, the Bible says, as the time drew near for his return to heaven, he moved, this is Jesus, steadily onward towards Jerusalem with an iron will. Jesus knew what he was here for. He knew his assignment. He knew his calling. His assignment was to die for the sins of humanity. His calling was he was sent from the Father to come to this earth to live for 33 years, three years of ministry, watch this, to live and to die for the sins of humanity. And when he knew that his time was near, the Bible says, the King James says, he set his face of flint to Jerusalem. He knew his assignment. Question, do you know your assignment? Do you wake up each day living out the script that somebody else handed you? Or are you living according to the gifts and the talents and the ability that God designed you with? The script that God has given you. Number one, the principle of identification says that we know who we are and whose we are. Each day we've got to live for the opinion and the audience of one. Number two, whose script are we living? Are we living out some relative that gave you a script at some Christmas time? Or are you living the script that God has given you? A surefire way to live stressed out is to live in somebody else's script. Number three, the third principle that I see here in the life of Jesus is the principle of meditation. <clears throat> the principle of meditation. I, I was in a bookstore once and I walked, walked over to the, I'm always reading and looking at all different kind of 
just kind of different things, want to know what people are reading and what people are interested in. And I, and I, and I went over to this, this bookstore, and, I, and this, it was kind of a spirituality section. And, and it was interesting. I, I began to look at the, this book, and it was about meditation. I want everybody to hear what I am saying, and I want you to hear what I'm not saying, all right? <clears throat> and the principle from an Eastern religion background was this, is that meditation is you get your body in a certain posture and the goal to reduce stress and to, and to, to, to make sure that your, your feeling of oneness with your environment was, watch this, was to empty your mind. So if you will empty your mind, to clear your mind <clears throat> and to empty your mind brought a certain level of emotional solace and peace. And I thought to myself, how close, but how far away. See, for the Christian, meditation is not emptying your mind. It's actually filling your mind. It's emptying your mind of the wrong stuff, but it's filling your mind with God's stuff, with the promises of God, with the word of God, with the purposes of God. When you wake up in the morning, it's meditating on that which is pure and positive and powerful and productive. How many of us put the wrong stuff in our mind? We wa well, listen, we, 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 we watch the news before we watch God's word. We, we surround ourselves with the contaminated. We surround ourselves with the unholy. We put into our minds the things that cannot help us. Conversely, they're injurious to our soul. They, 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 they cause the agitation, the irritability, the nervousness in our soul. Why? Because we put the wrong... So it's not just emptying our mind, but it's actually filling our mind. Jesus knew the principle of meditation. I want you to think about this. We are Trinitarians at this church. We believe in one God. Everyone say one God. But yet three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus... The second person of the Trinity would wake up every morning before he would tackle the day and he would check in with headquarters. If Jesus, without sin, he had no sin, there was no proclivity in his human nature that bent towards selfishness and iniquity. If Jesus Christ had to wake up and check in with God the Father each day, how much more do we? I want you to think about that. I don't, don't let this just pass by. There's the preacher. If, if Jesus Christ, who had pure motives, if he had a check in each day, how much more do we? Look what the scripture says. It's the principle of meditation. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. The Bible says news about Jesus spread even more, and many people came to him to be healed. But, everyone say but. But Jesus often slipped away to be alone so he could pray. Someone who had literally the life of the world, the, 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 the whole weight of the world on his shoulders. How many times are we busy and the very first thing that gets pushed out of our life is morning prayer? The very first thing is our, our Bible reading, our reading devotionals, our, whether it's five minutes or 10 minutes. We're so busy. I like what Martin Luther said. He says, I'm so busy today, I gotta wake up extra early and spend more time in prayer with God. When is the last time we've allocated more time with prayer with God because we've got a big day ahead of us? Listen to me. Listen, I want everybody to hear me. I made it a rule in my life. I want to talk to God before I talk to mankind because if I talk to mankind before I talk to God, let me, let me know what comes out of my heart to mankind may not be the right thing. It may not be the right thing. But if we talk to God, say, Pastor, can I talk to God? Yeah, you can talk to God. It's called prayer. 
The principal meditation is we spend time with God. It doesn't have to be an hour in the morning. It doesn't have to be that. But when we meditate on God's word and we connect with God, it's our lifeline with God. Jesus listened to God. He connected with his Father. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you throughout this series. I want to encourage you as the days get more and more hectic. You can spend time, five minutes or 10 minutes, 15 minutes, sit in that chair, get that coffee, because that comes from God. You're not even spiritual enough to handle why I know that. But anyway, so you get that, you get your Bible and you open it up and you get some positive Christian literature and you, you just drink that in and your mind, you're filling, everyone say filling. You're filling your mind with the positive, with the pure, with the productive, with the right stuff. Because what you think about is what you feel. And what you think about and what you feel long enough is what you're going to do. The reason why we live stressed out, number one, is we don't know who we are and whose we are. That's called identification. The reason why we live stressed out is because, listen, the power of concentration, we're focusing on every other priority rather than God's priority. We're living out of the script of other people rather than God's script. Number three, the principle of meditation. Number four, the principle of collaboration. Jesus did life with a small group. One of the biggest reasons why we live stressed out in life is because of the pride. And I want to get a little bit strong here. It's the pride that we have that we think that we can do it all alone. You ever heard this statement before? Here it is. Let me, tell, let me give you one of the most destructive. I want to talk to all the people, all the people that have ever said this statement before, including myself. One of the most destructive statements that you can ever make that is a surefire, listen, a surefire bet to increase chronic stress and erode your mind and your emotions and your body is to say this statement, if I want it done right, let me finish it with you, okay? I'll have to do it my what? Say it? Self. No, that just means you're not a good leader. Because if you're a good leader, you've equipped other people to do it right. Are y'all with me? One of the main reasons why I burned out, blacked out, fried out is because I thought if I had to do it, I've got to do it. No, I got to, listen, I don't care if Pastor Doug is now starting to look cooler in me. He can do it. Are you with me? I, 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 let me just tell you something. I, I want to stay in my lane. I want to stay in my zone. I thank God. G, if Jesus, you say, Pastor, oh, wait, time out. Wait, time out. You're taking this way beyond Scripture. No, I'm not. Jesus needed people. At the point of Thursday night, right after the Last Supper, when Jesus was about to go to the cross the next morning, in the famous Garden of Gethsemane, I've been to the Mount of Olives at the base of that, looking over the city of Jerusalem. There's a garden. They have olive trees right there at the base, the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says that when he went to that place, that place of consecration, that place where he was making a decision, am I going to do my will or the Father's will? He was, he was executing his assignment. And the Bible says he didn't go alone. But he actually brought three people from his small group, Peter, James, and John. The scripture says this in Matthew 26, 38, Jesus said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. If Jesus Christ, listen to me, I want everybody to hear me. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, in his humanity, 
If he needed Peter, James, and John just to be with him in his moment of trial, how much more do we? How much more do we need people? Yes, we need God. Yes, we need to live every day for the audience of one. But we need a small group. We need people that love us, that we love, that we're committed to. Had somebody recently come to me that needed advice, and I said, I'll just say this. If you were in a small group, if you're in a small group, there's somebody that's smarter than you in there, somebody that's stronger than you, somebody that's been through that. You're looking for a mentor, get in a small group. Why? There's people that God has put in your life to help you. You can't wait to build relationships till you're in a crisis. You build it now. You don't put up shutters when the hurricane winds are hitting. You do it now. Are you with me? You build relationships now. You don't wait till you go through cancer to see if anybody can get into your life. You do it now so that when you go through the trial, that person's there. When you go through that stressful situation, you got somebody that you can pick up the phone and call. Man, I just, I, I just, I just need some prayer, man. Can you stand with me? I thank God for those times in my life when I've been able to say, I, I'm gonna say, to Randy and Doug and Greg and our elders and our, our team and our board. Listen, I, I just, I'm weary, man. I, I don't know how much more I can go. I, I just feel so much pressure. You can't wait until the crisis to build a team. Number three or four is the principle of collaboration. Let me give you the fifth and final thing. Y'all learn anything today? Three people, I'm excited. I'm stressed, working hard, talking about not to be stressed, and you three people. God bless your ministry as well. I'm <laughs> just joking. Everybody say identification. Say concentration. Meditation. Collaboration. Let me give you the fifth and final principle, and we'll close. By the way, I'm going to be building these out all month long in this series. This is the intro to my, to, 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 I'm going to be building and going much deeper throughout this month on these topics. Let me give you the fifth and final thing here. Recreation. Now, I want to break this down, this word, just for a moment. I want, to, I want to unpack it semantically. Okay, so recreation. All right, let's take out the prefix. What's that word right there? Come on, say it out loud. Creation. What does it mean to create? It means to innovate. It means to bring something that's not into being. All right? It's not there, and now it becomes. Those of you that are technologically innovators, you're creating things, right? You're bringing into existence that previous to that moment, those things didn't exist. What does it mean to recreate? It means something that was in existence, lost the vibrancy attached to its existence, and the functionality connected to its existence, and so it steps back and, watch this, recreates, re-energizes in order to fuel it with its creative intent. Do y'all see it? God created you and I with certain limitations. I want to talk about something very spiritual. I got three minutes and I'm going to close. One of the most spiritual things that you and I can learn to do is to recreate, to recreate to replenish, to renew, to recalibrate, to be re-energized. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6, verse 33, crowds of people were coming 
There's lots of responsibilities at work. Jesus had lots of responsibilities. If you'll just push a little bit harder and close one more deal, if you'll just make one more call, if you'll just go a little bit stronger, I know that I'm supposed to take off on Saturday. I know that I'm supposed, but I just, I just got to keep pushing past that because in one day, if I just get to that point, you know, some of us have what's called a destination disease. That when we get to that point, then this. If we can just get to that. If we can just do this. If we just get this degree. If we can just get this achievement. If we can just do this, then. Then. The problem is if you get to this and you don't have a then, you'll stop getting to this because your then will break down. Many were coming. Lots of responsibilities so that Jesus and his followers did not even have time to eat. That's busy. That's busy. That's real busy. That's real busy. Come away by yourselves, he said, and we will go to a lonely place to get some rest. One of the most spiritual things that some of you guys can do beyond praying is learning to rest, learning to come down. Here's the problem. When I was sitting at counselor's office in 2010, he said, Steve, you don't come down. You don't ever come down. You're always up. You're always adrenalized. You're always pushing. It's always another thing, another deal. You got to push, push, reach, push. The problem is, is that when I began to unpack it, here it is. Here it is. When I rested, I felt unproductive. And when I felt unproductive, I felt worthless. The issue is not rest. The issue is your feelings of worthlessness. Because if you can address why you feel worthless, then you can appropriately rest and renew. God created the world in six days. And on the seventh, he what? Come on, say it. He rested. Because he was tired? No way. Because he was modeling for his creation. I want to encourage you. God commands us to rest to appropriately rest, to renew, to recalibrate, to recreate, to revitalize, to regenerate so that we can have energy for the journey. Come on, y'all receive that word today? We're gonna be talking about that this month. I want everybody to stand. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come forward right now. And if you need prayer for anything here at Church of the King, we're here for you. If you don't know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, we'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I wanna pray a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for the grace of God upon your people. This month, Lord, we are going to diligently learn to find calm in the chaos. We can't exit the world. We can't push a button and I'm out. But we can learn different strategies in life. How to do it your way, God. Father, teach us. Father, bless your people. May the grace of God be upon every man, woman, boy, and girl as you go forth this day. In the mighty name of Jesus.